That is right. They tell of brave men defending the island of the mighty with their lives. These tales are good, and some are even true. I take nothing away from them, but my task is ordered differently. See, now, it is the Grail, I tell. That strange stirrer of marvels, that most uncanny vessel of desires. Dangerous, yes, and more beautiful than words alone can tell, it is the holiest treasure in all this world's realm. But for Arthur that precious cup would surely have been forgotten, and its healing virtues lost through ignorance and neglect. Yet, truth be told, but for Arthur none of the terrors and tribulations I describe would have befallen us. But for Arthur the grail was almost lost, and a flame of heaven's pure fire extinguished on the earth. That is a tale for you have heard, and it is worth more than all the others. Ah, but I race before myself. Know you, the battle-host of the ancient enemy is large, and falters before nothing save the true word, and the sound of the clash when those two combatants met will echo through the ages, I do believe it. Blessed among men, I was favoured to ride at my king's right hand in the four ranks of the fight. Tremble and turn pale. Say in yourself, with runes and strong prayers, call upon the company of angels and hearken well to my warning, where great good endures, great evil gathers close about. This I know. Hear me. Speak of the grail, and you speak a mystery with a secret at its heart. And I, Gwalkavad, Prince of Orcady, know the secret as none other. If the telling gives you pleasure, well and good. But I should not like cold eyes to read it in this book. Therefore look to your heart. Look long and hard. If you are friend to all that is true and right, then welcome and read on. But if you would savour the source of slander and shadow tricks, feast on lies, betrayals and seductions, you will find little to your liking here. Blessed Jesu, I mean to tell the truth of what I know. Thus I begin. For seven long years we warred against the ravaging Saxons. Seven years of hardship and privation, misery, torment and death. Under Arthur's command and with the aid of the swift, sure hand, we prevailed in the end. This is well known. Indeed, even small children know how the war-host of Britain raised a wall on Bairdon Hill and destroyed the bold invader. So I will not say more, except to point out that we had scarcely drawn breath from our hard-fought victory at Bairdon when we were beset by the wandering Vandal horde. Fighting first in Ierna, then in Britain we chased Amilcar, that greedy boar of battle, over most of Floregres before he was subdued. A strange war, that. It lasted little more than a season, yet brought more waste and destruction to our land than all the Saxon battles put together. Why is it that trouble always seems to come in threes? For with the havoc of the Vandali came plague and drought as well. Those who grumble and complain would do well to remember that the Pendragon had three enemies to fight, not just one. If there is another king who could have done better against such odds, then show me that man, I say, or shut your mouth. There is no pleasing some people. Though many raise their voices in accusation and make loud lament over lost lands and such, I still think Arthur chose the better course. The thing is over now, in any event, so it does no good to piss and moan. If they knew the bear of Britain at all, they would realise their miserable whining only hardens his conviction the more. Better a trustworthy foe than a treacherous friend, and we have seen enough of scheming friends. The island of the mighty is better off without the likes of Keredig, Morcant, Brastias, Garontius, 
Bourienne, and their rebellious ilk always making trouble. The devil take them all, I say, they will not be missed. Where were they, those who make such loud complaint, when Arthur stood against the Vandal Lord? Urien and Brastia thought to usurp the High King's portion, but did I hear them offer to take the High King's place on the blood-soaked battleground? Garontius was ever quick to goad the others in their petty rebellion, but did I see bold Garontius in the forefront of the fight? No, I did not. We had amassed the greatest war-host seen in Britain since Great Constantine, twenty thousand men and fifteen thousand horses. Yet on that fearful day Arthur faced his foe alone, and the treasonous lords were nowhere to be seen. Well, they made their choice. So be it. But instead of insulting heaven with their lament, they would do better to offer heartfelt praise that they possess both breath and tongue to complain. Arthur paid dearly for the peace we now enjoy. When they carried him from the field of battle, so too were our hearts born.